This is episode number 036 of the Reno Slant. We're back, baby. Welcome to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans, where an award-winning sports writer and his Nevada alum brother discuss Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and, well, pretty much everything else Nevada, except for the Loyalist Chicago tournament game. We don't talk about that. Here are your bro hosts, Adam and Nathan Schau. The hope was that this week we'd be talking about Steve Alford as the new Nevada head men's basketball coach, and that is exactly what we're doing this week. That came to fruition. What a massive, massive hire for Doug Newth in this athletic department. So you know that Adam and I are going to dig into the hire and what it means for Nevada. Nevada baseball went to Albuquerque last week and picked up a couple huge wins on Saturday and Sunday to pick up a series victory, just about a second series victory of the year, an important one for the boys. And because it's a big week, we're bringing on two guests again this week. We're bringing on Aaron Torres. Uh, he's a recurring guest now. He has been the most vocal, not proponent, but opponent of Alford, the Alford hiring, and you know, just has a lot of problems with the potential fit and so we had a really insightful conversation with Aaron about why does he feel that way what does he make of the contract what are reasonable expectations for for Alford in Reno and for those who are unfamiliar Aaron has his uh he's on Fox Sports Radio he's been doing some stuff with Speak for Yourself and Colin Coward on Fox so it was good catching up with Aaron and I think we were able to convince him a little bit, see the light a little bit, and we had a fun bet in there at the end as well. We're also bringing back Nevada play-by-play man John Ramey. Uh, John worked with Steve at UCLA. He really likes the hire, so you get both ends of the spectrum here. We asked him why he likes the hire, what are his thoughts on the press conference last Friday, and, and what does he think that fans can expect from Steve Alford in Reno. Then Nevada baseball is back at Piccoli this week for a three-game set with UNLV. It's a really important series for Nevada. They all are now as the Pack trying to get into the top four to qualify for the Mountain West Conference Tournament that is in Reno. And then Nevada's also hosting the defending national champs. They got Oregon State coming to Reno on Monday and Tuesday. So Adam and I will preview both of those series and certainly share our predictions for slants, games of the weekend, weekend plans, it's been a while since we've done that one, so bringing it back this weekend. Social, got some really good questions from you guys. And then Random Reno. It is a loaded, loaded show this week. All sorts of stuff going on. Our iTunes five-star review of the week, as always now, is brought to you by our friends over at Toyabi Golf Club. And the review of the week comes from Jared, I hope I pronounced his last name correctly, Gravogel. Jared Gravogel. Jared says, best Nevada podcast. If you are a Nevada fan, I honestly don't know why you wouldn't listen to this. Not only are they breaking down every week all the important Nevada sports news, they have amazing guests, former players, national writers, the AD, pros, list goes on and on. Best listen of the week, and then in all caps, download now, hashtag Battleborn. So, Jared, we, we appreciate the love. Make sure you get in touch with us, whether it's Twitter, direct message, Instagram, direct message. You can shoot us an email, slant at gmail.com, and we will get in touch with you 
and send you your round for two to Toyabi. You and a friend uh, hitting the links. And then thanks uh, to everyone else who wrote reviews this week. We certainly appreciate it. If you want to hit Toyabi with a friend for free next week, simply leave a five-star iTunes review, and we'll see if we pick you for next week's show. Toyabi is south of Reno and north of Carson in beautiful Washoe Valley. Toyabi Golf Club is just a 30-minute drive down 395 from Lawler. Toyabi Golf Club is open to the public. It's not a private course. Open to the public. The course is locally owned and operated by Nevada fans. Toyabi backs the pack. So book your tee times today at toyabigolfclub.com. I went golfing Saturday afternoon. And apparently I still not have figured out how sunscreen works or why it's important. My neck tan line is out of this world right now. I did shoot a 92, though, so I, I do not care. I'll, I'll wear that <laughs> getting, summer. <laughs> getting, getting an early start to the to the neck tan, huh? <laughs> 42 on the front. Felt really good about that. And then the back, uh, not so great. That just makes me feel good from when you do the, the you and me versus dad and Aaron game. I'm not so excited when I play you head-to-head, but when you're on my team, I'll, I'll look forward <laughs> to using that to my advantage. Whether you need fun attire for the golf course this summer – for Lake Tahoe, for the next crawl, whether you're planning some festivals. I know some of you guys were at Brochella this past weekend. you got to visit tipsyelves.com for memorable clothing for all of life's biggest moments. Tanks, tees, swimwear, funny Hawaiian shirts, golf wear, certainly. They always have a bunch of sales going on. We talked about it last week. They have a whole line out for Cinco de Mayo, which is absolutely hilarious. You guys got to check it out. We had a conversation with co-founder and read alum Nick Morton back on episode 017. So start putting your summer wardrobe together today at tipsyels.com and exclusively for the Reno Slant listeners, promo code SLANT20 earns you 20% off at checkout. That's promo code SLANT20 at tipsyelves.com. Let's jump right into this, bro. It, it was official. We, we were talking about it last week. Is it going to happen? Is it official? When's it going to be official? It is official now. What 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 is your first big takeaway from Steve Alford, now the new head men's basketball coach at Nevada? Well, one of the big questions everybody had was how committed was this going to be on both parts? And obviously with the contract terms leaking out and you see the deals, it's 10 year. We know what the buyout is now. And Granted, you could take everything with a grain of salt for what a coach says to the new community because he's obviously trying to appeal. But there was a quote. I believe I was reading this in the RGJ last night. Uh, he said, this isn't a shortstop. This is something that we are going to build and build it to the highest level and continue it as long as we can. So there's obviously mixed reviews of Alford. I'm on the all board train. I'm ready to go. But hearing this coming from the university side of what the plan is with them, and then also hearing him reiterate what the kind of plans are and obviously what the deals, the terms being out. I'm just glad that this is now going to be a coach who's going to be around for a while. It's not going to be a couple year stint. Yeah, he'll, he'll be here longer than Mus. I, I think we can agree on that. Will he f- finish the whole 10 years in Reno? Uh, we can kind of get to that later. Um, but either way, he, he will be in Reno for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. And as it stands now, I mean, my one of my biggest takeaways from this whole thing is this is just a massive moment for not only Nevada basketball but for the entire athletic department to go and get a name like that. To I mean, it was so important that 
Doug Newth brought some someone with some sort of power, some sort of name recognition. I don't think you could go out and just hire mm-hmm. anyone after what Musk built and kind of the feelings around the program. And Doug Newth did exactly that. He went and got a name. He went and got the biggest name available. We talked about this last week outside of really Rick Pitino. And that dude's coming to Reno, which is just unbelievable to comprehend considering where this program was not so long ago. Not mm-hmm. so long ago. It's a sign to how much this program has grown and how it's now perceived outside of Reno that Steve Alford would want to come coach at Nevada. It's a sign from the athletic department that they're, deter- they're, they're determined to keep this athletic pr- department, really, but the basketball program relevant on a national scale, certainly with, within the Mountain West. With a decade-long deal, this, I think, is a legacy-cementing thing for Doug Newth. He's beloved in Reno. He is a massive, massive part that the athletic department is doing as well as it is right now. If this is, turns out to be a, you know, an amazing home run hire for Nevada, which it appears that it could be, then, then Doug Newth legacy cemented. If this goes the other way, man, how do the final years of this contract play out? Because 10 years is a long time, especially when it's fully guaranteed on Nevada's end. I don't know, maybe after year eight, they could eventually make it happen from a financial perspective. That's a long time away. Maybe Nevada's in a different situation financially. Maybe Tesla becomes a huge booster. (laughs) Who knows? Regardless, this is the most meaningful contract in Nevada Athletic Department history. I haven't followed Nevada since the 1950s. But I'd venture to say that Steve Alford is the biggest contract, 10 years, considering the timing of this. Um, Newt couldn't just hire anyone, and, and he didn't. This is a huge, huge deal for Nevada athletics. Well, we just talked about it last week that just as much as keeping the whole process together, we were just as close as having the whole wagon fall apart. Mm-hmm. And it, getting a name like this just shows that they're like, all right, we're keeping this thing intact. We're going to keep going with the way it is. Now, Alford did mention in, his, in that in the conference, the welcome ceremony thing, one of the reasons why he did like Reno and chose it was for the golf. So I instantly thought about the 40-whatever <laughs> courses there are within the 90-minute <laughs> minute ratio. He needs to wear some uh, tipsy elves out in the golf course. That's what I'm saying. So maybe we'll get Steve Alford on it. You know, we'll be good to go. <laughs> but then the other part, too, is going to be the other big question with Alford is how many guys can he keep around? We all know that you know with Jazz, he's coming back now. There are still some question marks lingering around. And as you've noted before, you know, recruiting kind of has been it or is one of Alford's strengths. So that's going to be the other thing to keep in mind. Keep paying attention to to see actually how many guys he can, you know, retain. I think uh, mm. the last I heard, Jordan, Jordan Brown's still in the portal. So hasn't made, made any. We can get to – I do want to get to the contract, but we can talk about that now. Just what does Alford do now? what are his things that he needs to do? And it's obvious that the first thing he needs to do, or the first thing on his to-do list is re-recruiting the guys that are already here. You mentioned Jazz Johnson. He flirted with the transfer portal for a couple days. On Friday at the press conference, uh, he said that he was staying, which is a huge deal. It ended up being a really fun day. You announce him, Jazz coming back. Everyone feels good. But you have Jalen Harris, Jordan Brown, Lindsey Drew, KJ Himes, Nizay Zuzah. They're all in the transfer portal. Eric Parrish, the JC star, he's been asked to be released from his letter of intent. That's a lot of uncertainty. At this point, there is one name we know for sure is going to be on the roster next year, and that's Jazz Johnson. 
only one. That's a lot of uncertainty. That's a lot of question marks. That's kind of scary. <laughs> it really is. All we got, all we need. <laughs> Jazz, five versus one. Go, go get them, bud. Uh, so the roster is is very much in flux. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens with the guys d- down the stretch. So much going on. So the first thing certainly is try to get the guys who are here to stay. The second thing is probably building a staff. We know Anthony Ruda is gone. We'll see who who Alpha retains. We learned today that Gus Arginal is not going to get the job at Idaho State. He was down to the final three. So is he going to keep him? Uh, it, it's unclear how much money. He has Steve Alford to build a staff, but the fact that Alford's getting paid $500,000 a year for the first two years of the contract, you think that helps? Mm-hmm. So we're re-recruit the, the guys are on the, on the team. We're still in Reno. Start building a staff, and then there are some games left in, in the non-conference to be filled. Uh, Chris Murray broke the story yesterday, Tuesday, that Nevada has a neutral site game with uh, St. Mary's. So that that certainly helps. I think that's down to four or five games left. Uh, we'll see if Steve Alford, with the connections he has, if he's able to put together a couple other nice games. How he fills out the rest of these games, I think, is going to be kind of telling of what he's kind of starting to expect from his team next year. You don't want to try to get a ton of just really brutal quad one games if you think you really are going to have a Jazz Johnson and then just really patching this roster together next year. Um, so that would be really fascinating to see kind of how he assembles the the schedule. So I think those are probably the three main things, at least as of now, in terms of hit Steve Alford's to-do list. Yeah, I'd say you probably hit it nail on the head. Yeah, I'm I, gonna say I'm, I'm gonna say though, if this thing pans out correctly, they raise tuition every every other year at the school. They need to have some other little you know slush fund. That goes to putting a Nuth statue somewhere on campus with just <laughs> the hashtag in Nuth we trust on the front of it. Yeah. Huge, huge deal. Uh, I think this was, we'll get to this talking with John Ramey and Aaron Torres as well, but uh, Doug Nuth really was t- saying to the Nevada fan base, I hear you guys with, with mm-hmm. this hire. That's kind of one of the things that I took away from it. Really had a feel for what the fans wanted, and he was able to execute that, which is incredible. Uh, the last thing we'll talk about here with Steve Alford before we get to Nevada baseball thoughts on the series win at New Mexico last weekend. Got to talk the 10-year contract. Uh, the details are out. Most people who are listening ha- have seen it. But uh, for those who maybe haven't, really quickly, $500,000 salary the first two years. Then it jumps up to $1.15 million in year three. And then slowly increases by $50,000 every year up to $1.5 million in year 10. It's kind of funny that the first two years of Steve Alford's contract, a million dollars basically, Muss's buyout paid for that. So as, as Muss left, he took care of the salary uh, for Steve Alford, which was awfully nice of him. The number that really matters is the buyout. So for Steve Alford, after year one, it's $8 million. Then it drops to six, then four, then three, then two. And then I believe it's 1.5 the rest of the way. On Nevada's half... If Nevada were to fire Steve Alford, uh, it would owe him everything on the contract. Everything. So th- this is a big-time commitment on, on both on both halves. And Alford said that he wanted to stay in Nevada the rest of his career. He wanted to finish out his coaching career here. And the numbers in the contract kind of back that up. Uh, that That's a big-boy buyout. Uh, if someone were, were to come sniffing around, if he's able to have a lot of success here 
in his first couple years. And there's a couple of retention bonuses in there as well. So if he's still the coach on April 1st, 2022, he gets a quarter million and then gets another quarter million check on April 1st, 2025 if he's still the coach. So uh, good work if you can get it. Yeah, better better tax rate in Nevada than California where he's coming from. <laughs> okay, let's talk some baseball here. Nevada picked up a series win at New Mexico. Timely series win for them last weekend. Nevada lost game 1-6-4. One game two three nothing, and then one game three fourteen and eight. Then Nevada turned around on Tuesday and throttled San Francisco on the road eight one. So Nevada is now nineteen and seven, eight and ten in the Mountain West, and has won three straight games for just the second time this season. So the team's starting to play a little bit better here. Bro, I'll let you start. What is one of your takeaways from the series win? Well, you're at fault. I told you you did not back the pack. <laughs> and ultimately, it was crazy because we were, we were driving home from Seattle or from Lacey when we saw the results of the first game and we saw they ended up losing when they had the 4-0 lead. I was like, oh, my God, there's no way they're going to sneak two out of this. But so the first one, I just had to throw a jab at you for not back in the pack because I was with them the whole way. I said two of three. You called it. And then we also said if they lose game one, it's hard to see them winning games two and three. That's exactly what they did. So uh, we're idiots. We're not smart. <laughs> We talked about last week how important I feel like this series was. They are, Nevada was tied with New Mexico for last place. They'd only won one conference series so far this year. And they find a way to win games two and three. Now they're just a one game back of UNLV for fourth place. It's just a log jam in the Mountain West right now. They're eight and ten. Fresno and San Diego State are tied for second at seven and six. So I don't know what the math is there. It's basically a game and a half that Nevada is out, it's, it gets weird. <laughs> Conference baseball, games get canceled, whatever. So Nevada is right there. Um, they are still on the outside looking in. Both conference series wins this year are against New Mexico. And this was Nevada's first time this year winning games two and three. It was their first time winning back-to-back conference games. So it's got to feel good for them. Oh, 100%. And something we've been chiming the whole season, they put up, they had the 21 runs in the three games. Granted, 14 were in the last game, so yeah, take it as you may. But even with that, putting up 14 runs in a game is a nice sign from the offense. Mm-hmm. And as we've talked, that you know this is really what you need to start going pedal to the metal. That's a promising sign. I believe they put up eight against San Francisco. Yep. So that's another good offensive performance. They had um, four guys with two or more ribbies in that last game against New Mexico. So these are just kind of when you want the offense to start waking up, and this is kind of when you're hoping they do. For sure. That was my next point as well is the bats. It was so nice to see them break out in game three. The 14 runs in game three was the most they've scored in a game this year outside of the opener. So they scored 16 against Missouri State in the opener, and this is obviously the first time they've gotten a double digit since then. This is only the fourth time this year they've scored eight or more runs in a game. They're now 11-1 when scoring six or more runs in a game. And just for an offense that's been hurting, you know it had to feel good for them to score, put up 14. And then they back it up with eight against San Francisco. The 22 runs they scored in two games is the most in a two-game stretch this year. Uh, so a good sight to see, certainly, is the guys starting to you know smack some baseballs around and have some success because it just hasn't really been the case for the last couple months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I had to give a specific shout-out to Tyler Bazzetti. 
in that last game, he was four of five with two ribbies. So one of the names we haven't really mentioned a whole mm-hmm. lot, and that's one thing we've said is that, well, you corrected me a while back, so now I'm going to hop on that train with you. It's not so much <laughs> the leadership, but the depth. Yeah. So it's nice to see some guys that we haven't really been saying, or uh, mentioning a whole lot to also be getting in on that action. Also, shout out to Owen Schartz and Grant Ford in game two, throwing a combined shutout. Owen Schartz was started started really start started really hot beginning of his freshman year co- collegiate career, then kind of went into a little bit of a lull, and now he's starting to pitch a lot better. He went five and a third, two hits, no runs. Grant Ford, who's just been a dude out of the bullpen, three and two thirds, two hits, no runs, two strikeouts, no walks. That that is really sharp. That's a good New Mexico offense. You're on the road, uh, so for those dudes to throw a combined shutout. And that was before Nevada broke out for 14 in Game 3. Uh, really awesome to see. And you can only imagine the after dropping Game 1 and realizing if you don't win Game 1, mm-hmm. you know, kind of how the series has been going. So that's a total rebound game. I De- mean, depend- Yeah, depending what happens the rest of the way, I mean, we may look back on that Owen Sharts start and be like, that was huge for this team. If they can start to string together some wins now, especially going to the UNLV series at home this week, and that could be a huge, huge start. And performance for this team. Okay, before we hear from our guests, uh, we need to show some love for Silver and Blue Outfitters. Silver and Blue Outfitters is locally owned, locally operated by a Nevada graduate. It is the spot for officially licensed Nevada apparel. You can hear our conversations with or our conversation with owner Mark Gladowski on episode 023. They have so many options, so much awesome stuff. We actually today sent our package for the March Madness Tournament Challenge winner. It included a, a few awesome shirts from Silver and Blue Outfitters. You need to visit either the Meadowood Mall or campus locations or visit silverandblueoutfitters.com. And every single month, we're giving away a $100 gift card to Silver and Blue Outfitters. All you need to do to get your name into the hat, to get into the raffle, to be in it for the money, stop by one or two locations. Snap a real quick selfie and then post it on Twitter or Instagram. Tag Silver and Blue Outfitters in the Reno Slant. And that's it. That's it. We're doing the next drawing on Tuesday, April 30th. So we'll kick it now to our conversation with Aaron Torres. He co-hosts a radio show on Fox Sports Radio once per week, as I mentioned at the top. He also goes on with Colin Coward. Done a lot of stuff with Speak for Yourself. He's also the host of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. He made a lot of waves in Reno this year. Uh, Had him on the podcast earlier in the year, and he had Nevada in the Final Four. That obviously did not come to fruition. And then he has been a opponent of, of Steve Alford to come into Nevada. And so we dig into it, a really uh, insightful conversation. And then I think I was able to cl- persuade him a little bit that it's a better fit than he was maybe selling it as. And then we have a fun bet at the end. So uh, here's our conversation with Aaron. Okay, everyone, do not turn the podcast off. <laughs> We're, we're bringing Aaron Torres on. He was on episode 013 back in November. Uh, huge, huge Nevada proponent. Last time we had you on, Aaron, we were talking about Nevada going to the Final Four. And uh, Nevada fans not as happy with you right now um, yeah. because you're you're not such a huge fan of, of the Steve Alford signing. So before we really get into it, you're coming to this from a unique perspective and you have pretty good context into both camps here. So before we dig into this, can you just kind of explain where you're coming from? Yeah. Uh, first of all, Nathan, thank you for having me. Uh, and by the way, I don't think you have to worry about people turning it off. I'm more afraid that they probably just didn't download it. 
uh, when they saw my name on it. Uh, so yeah, look real quick, you know, so, so I was probably, I think maybe so far, the only one that's really been outspoken, frankly, against the hire. Um, and you know, whatever. And, and I think a lot of times stuff gets lost in context when I'm trying to put everything into a tweet that's 180 characters. And, you know, I've explained it on my podcast and other stuff, but obviously I know that you have such a great pulse for what's going on in Reno that I, you know, I, I just want to explain a little bit off the top. So, um, you know, look, I, I, when you say I have unique perspective, I truly do. And, and I was telling you a little bit off air. I live in Los Angeles. Um, I've probably been to more Steve Alford press availabilities than anybody, any national writer in America. Uh, as I was telling you, I was there every single week, basically every game during the Lonzo Ball season. And of course, a lot last season, um, even before that, when they went 15 and 16 the year before Lonzo arrived. So I've been around Steve. I, I like him as a guy. I think he's a fine coach, whatever. Uh, but also, I've been around the Nevada program, and and you, you know, you had me on when I went up for watched a couple practices in in the fall time. And so, mm-hmm. where I was coming from was this. You know, when when I kind of went on social media, it wasn't to attack Nevada. It wasn't to attack the program. It wasn't to attack the fans. But my my kind of stance was, and and it you know it, it wasn't a secret that I believed that they should promote from within promote Gus Arsenal, um, who was obviously Musa, Eric Musselman's lead assistant. And, you know, I think a lot of people took that as well, you know, Torres is a Musselman guy. And so he's just, he's just going to bat for Musselman's guy. And it's like, you know, one thing with me, Nathan, is I, I never say anything on social media. If I don't believe it, I don't push for people for jobs if I don't think they're qualified. And so to be really quick and we can kind of get into all the details, mm-hmm. I just truly believe that after being in Reno, spending time around the program, that Coach Musselman had really built something special in a short amount of time. And part of this is, of course, that he left, right? And like mm-hmm. part of the reason that we're even having this conversation is because he elected to leave. Um, you know, he's the only one that can make that decision. Obviously, I know Nevada did an incredible job to try and keep him. And, you know, frankly, like, you know, there's a lot of people that were affected by his decision to leave. Um, but the fact remains like, I, you know, Gus Arsenal, he has D2 experience and I know we'll probably get into the fact that he didn't have a ton of success as a head coach and we can get into that. Um, but I just thought that coach Muss had built so- something so unique. He had built not just a successful basketball program, but he had built a brand. I thought coach Muss did an incredible job of building the brand of building consciousness of during my time up there, creating excitement in the community and frankly, building a blueprint, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, he went to the high school ranks, got Jordan Brown last year, but it was obviously a transfer heavy program, but he was having success doing this. And, and you know, obviously with Shamil Stevenson and uh, Michael Lewis coming in in the spring or it was it was continuing that way. And so to me, I get the argument that Steve Alford is a bigger name. I get that he has had, you know, some levels of success at the D1 level. Uh, Gus hasn't. But I also thought that Gus kind of helped build the blueprint that made Nevada into what it is. Uh, You know, I think most of the staff would have stayed if Gus had gotten the head coaching job. I think all of the players, I think every single player on the team would have stayed. And so that was my thing is, is I thought that Nevada had built something special. They had a chance to continue to build that. And I think we're seeing now whether Steve Alford is a success or a failure, it is going to be a few steps backward to potentially go forward. And I don't think you have to take any steps backward if you hire Gus Arsenal. That was kind of 
the very long-winded way of what I was trying to say through <laughs> a bunch of tweets that Nevada fans wanted nothing to do with the other day. Well, I, I think the follow-up to that would be Musk clearly built something in, in Reno that worked. It was a system that worked. If you hire from within, you bring Gus into that role. I'm certainly not going to be someone who speaks ill against Gus. I mean, he, he's loved in Reno. There's certainly a hope that he stays in Reno. I don't think that's going to happen. But if Gus then becomes the head guy at Nevada, regardless of what he did at the Division II level, he's now running a program that, yes, or a system, I should say, that he helped build at Nevada, but now he's kind of doing Muss's thing. And what does, how does that work long term? I mean, would you have any idea what that would look like maybe two, three, four years down the road if Gus is trying to continue the transfer game that Musk clearly figured out? Yeah, I, I think, you know, from talking to people around the Nevada program kind of as this transition was happening and, and during the search that ultimately led to Steve Alford, like, look, I think that Gus, like any person that is promoted into a position where, you know, he's kind of taking a step up on the ladder, I think there were elements of what Musk did that worked. I think that that he would have continued. I think there are elements that he wouldn't have continued. I think, um, you know, I think he would have continued to recruit transfers. I think Nevada had success in that vein. I think he would have continued to try and recruit high caliber uh, high school players as well. And, you know, look, I, I think to make another thing abundantly clear, with all due respect to Gus, who I, I like a lot, sounds like you got to know him a little bit, Nathan, and, and you like, um, look, there's no saying that he's going to be the next must. There's only one must. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'll tell you a story <laughs> from the opposite perspective of, you know, I know all the media people in Arkansas, and I went on a radio show um, in Arkansas kind of during the first wave of uh, Musselman interviewing for the Arkansas job. And when it was, it didn't look like he was going to take it. I had one of my buddies in the media, you know, I was on his radio show and he said, well, if we can't get Eric Musselman, who's somebody, who's, wh who's somebody like Eric Musselman that we could get? Oh, and I said, there is no, I said, there is nobody like Eric Musselman. There is no close approximation. Eric Musselman mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, a one of a kind, there is no duplicate of him. So as it pertains to Nevada, like, yeah, no, uh, you know, are, can you, can I sit here and say that over the next three years, it's guaranteed that Gus would have won three straight Mountain West regular season titles, three straight NCAA tournaments, um, and, you know, and, 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 you know, continue that success, 27, 28, 29 wins, whatever it was over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Of course I can't say that, but, but what I would say is I just think the infrastructure would have been there. I think they would have had a lot of success next year. By the way, I think the guys would have played really hard for him next year yeah. because, of course, they would ultimately gone to bat for that, to bat for him. And I think a lot of like what Musk did would have stayed, and I think it would have made it an easier transition where now, um, look, I don't think a lot of the guys are going to stay, and we can get into all that stuff in a minute. Uh, you're obviously new system, new coaching staff, guys getting to know each other. And so, like, I get the argument that, you know, that that basically um, is Gus going to be Eric Musselman? Of course not. There's only one Eric Musselman. But I think the transition is much, much, much smoother. I think there's a chance that you can kind of maintain the foundation and then build off of it. Where with Steve Alford, you are going to be starting from scratch. And, and, and one element that I would kind of add, and this isn't something that a Nevada fan wants to hear. And, and by the way, I get this element of it is... I think if you go get Muss or you go get Gus, now I'm getting tripped up, getting tripped up here. <laughs> um, you know, like like maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but you don't have to commit to him 
the way that you committed to Steve Alford. And I get mm-hmm. why Nevada did it, but it's also like, I'm just saying is in two, three, four years, if Gus just clearly isn't the guy, there is a Steve Alford type out there that Nevada can go get. I just don't think you blow up everything that has been built for the last four years. And maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe it doesn't get blown up, mm-hmm. but I do think guys are going to leave. We're, we're going to get into all this. Um, <laughs> but I do think, you know, I do think it, it gets relatively blown up. And I just think if you keep Gus, everything stays in place. There's a chance you bring in another really good recruiting class. You, you keep doing the transfer thing. You have a bunch of guys that I think were good enough to win the Mountain West next year. Um, and if it doesn't work in two or three years, you go get a Steve Alford type. There's go, always going to be a Power 5 coach that didn't work out at the last place um, that's going to be available. I just think you had a chance to keep building something that was already pretty darn good. And like I said, to a degree, you're going to be starting off. Mm-hmm. Well, a, a couple things there. I mean, so the idea that if Doug Newth does go with Gus or did go with Gus, he takes a crack at it for two, three, four years, whatever, and doesn't pan out. Nevada is not in the situation that it's in right now. I, Nevada is kind of has a job that has a much more appeal because it's relevant on a national scale, more or less. Now, if you have a few, oh, if you have a few down oh, years. There's always power five coaches that are looking to get jobs. There's always, there, there always are. There, there's 10 out there right now that would, would kill for the Nevada job. Tim Miles would kill for the Nevada job. By the way, all the, all the guys that have had success at the lower levels, Russell Turner would kill for the Nevada. I don't know if he'd kill for it, but he, <laughs> he would be available. Travis DeKeer would be available. So like, like, I get the notion that the Nevada job is much sexier than it was when Eric Musselman took over. But it's also a state school. It's in a, a, a generally a pseudo multi bid league. I mean, we're not talking about um, you know Eastern Washington here. I mean, Nevada right. is one of uh, not the flagship program in that state. One of the flagship programs. It's obviously look must help create some stuff there that's going to stay a basketball practice facility, all that stuff. I just think you can get a close. And I'm sorry, by the way, I've completely hijacked this interview. Feel free to take. I want to get. I want to get. I want to get your thoughts on this. No, this is great. Okay. No, and I and I just think you know, and and I get it. But you know, look, uh, you know, New Mexico had a couple down years. They still got a pretty good coach in Paul Weir. Now, who was available? Whatever. The point is, is that I don't think Nevada is ever going to be like. I still think it's going to be one of the better jobs in the Mountain West, and I still think the Mountain West is a really good place to coach. Um. And so I get the argument that, like, yeah, this is about as good as a situation as a coach can inherit. But I also think, like, part of it is it's really good because of the foundation that Musk laid. And part of it is the Absolutely. guys that are returning, the culture that had been built. So, anyways, go, go ahead, man. I'm, I'm cutting you off here left and right. No, no, it's great. Well, an, another element of this that we haven't really spoke to yet, you, you alluded to it. You have the 10-year contract. and It's fully guaranteed on, on Nevada's behalf. You look at that thing, and part of this is Nevada fans are, are now fed up with being seen as a stepping stone. And whether it's realistic, that's never going to be the case, or Nevada will be a destination. Nevada's going to be the Gonzaga of the Mountain West. Who knows? But part of this is Doug News saying to the fans, look, I hear you after Trent Johnson. I hear you after Mark Fox. I hear you after Musk. Like, you don't want to be a stepping stone. You want to be a destination. And now you get someone like Steve Alford who says – I want this to be my last gig. And he kind of backs it up a little bit with the contract and some of the buyouts. So part of this, too, is 
Doug Newth wanted to get someone who's willing to say, I'm going to come to Reno and I'm going to stay there at least for, I mean, probably realistically, realistically six, seven years before the buyout gets more manageable. But that's part of it, too, that I don't feel like it has been addressed much in the conversation. So this is Doug Newth kind of speaking to the fans like, I hear you. Yeah, you know, in my counter to that would be, and this is more less about Nevada and more about me being around Steve Alford. And to be clear, by the way, I just saw Steve Alford like two weeks ago. He's really, he's always been good to me. And so Mm -hmm. I feel bad being this critical. By the way, I did speak for yourself with Steve Alford. We were talking before the show. Uh, My first appearance on Speak for Yourself about two weeks ago was with Steve Alford. We had a great time. (laughs) We talked basketball. It was awesome. I, I don't know if he knows that I'm saying this much bad things about him uh, and he'll probably never forgive me and I'll probably never be allowed to Reno again. But, you know, my argument would be kind of twofold. Right. So like, I think like like I think that the point that you bring up is so important, Nathan, is like like it is the A.D. having the pulse of his fan base. And at the end of the day, that's part of the A.D.'s job. Yeah. Um, and, I, and from a Nevada fan's perspective, I totally get it. Um, and by the way, I feel bad because, I, you know, personally. And I'll say this on on behalf of Nevada. I sort of get why Eric Musselman left, but I sort of don't. Like, I sort of think (laughs) he had something really good going at Nevada. And so from the fans' perspective, I understand that part. And I do wonder if in six, seven, eight years, Eric Musselman looks back and is like, man, we were just getting going there. Why did I leave? And by the way, Arkansas is actually a really good job. But the SEC is actually a really tough conference to win basketball games. And they had, I think, seven bids this year, eight bids last year. Um, And and so I get the argument from Doug uh, Doug Knuth. Is that how you say his name? Knuth. 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 Okay. So I I totally get that from his perspective. He doesn't want his school to, as you just alluded to, it's a great point, to be a stepping stone job. Here's my counter from everybody that I heard from UCLA. Who the hell is is ready? Who's trying to hire Steve Alford? No, like like he just crashed and burned at UCLA. And you can argue, like you can argue about his success. And I don't think he was as bad as people said. But it, but they also lost to Belmont at home this year, and they also lost to Liberty at home this year. And the team quit on him, like it did. I, I hate to say it, the team quit on him, and he he got fired from a Big Ten job. And I don't think there's anybody in the Pac-12 that's in a, in a rush to hire him. And so credit to, to, to his agent for convincing Nevada that there's this incredible market for Steve Alford that in two years uh, he could be gone. I don't buy that for a second. Um, and I don't even know if Steve would want to go back to a Power 5 job after the situation at UCLA. And by the way, same thing I just, you know, I, I said about us. I'll defend Steve Alford too. I don't think the UCLA fans are always particularly fair to him. I don't think he got a totally fair shake. So... I get the argument that you want to lock him up and you want this to be a long-term commitment. Like, I don't know. This is the guy that you had to do that for. I don't know that there's this incredible market for Steve Alford at 54 years old, uh, just been fired from UCLA. Uh, so anyways, you know, I don't know, man, like, like I get that part of the argument, but I also kind of look at it from the opposite perspective of like, like when I heard 10 years, I didn't believe it. Like so I was on the phone with somebody Thursday night. They're like, yeah, he got 10 years. I'm like, no, he did. What are you talking about? 10 years. <laughs> like, no, he got 10 years. Um, and so I get it from Nevada's perspective, but I also think it can, in theory, I, I would say be a little bit overblown because I don't know that there's like this unbelievable market to bring Steve Alford anywhere, uh, you know, 
anywhere anytime soon. The UCLA thing, yeah. I mean, I talked about this last week. It was pretty much a dumpster fire when he left in December, was was shown the door. He did I, I agree with you entirely. I mean, he never really got a fair shake at UCLA. He walked into a situation that was almost impossible. Hey, Ben Hallen goes to three final fours in eight years, go do that, but better. Um, just the expectations at UCLA are so out of control. I think what you kind of what you can go back to is maybe a better reference point or more realistic is his success at New Mexico. He, he he knows the Mountain West. He knows the conference. And you talk about the ten year deal. I don't know how many people you're going to find. I mean, maybe you can find a, a good coach certainly in a couple years if you go Gus to to off the bat here. I don't know if you're going to find many guys who are willing to go, yeah, 10 years at Nevada with an $8 million buyout to start with. So there might be guys you can say comparable, I suppose. He's had been to the tournament a ton. But I don't know if you're going to find someone who's willing to you know, lock themselves in at Nevada for 10 years. Yeah, it's fair. Um, and, and that's kind of what I, I do think like the saving grace of this hire can be, right? And, and so – the one thing I'll say about Nevada fans and like the ones that I've interacted with, like I do think they understand that like, yeah, like Muss like did some incredible things, but probably regardless of what happened going forward, like it probably wasn't realistic to to maintain the level that Muss had things at. I mean, say what you want about Muss. The team was basically, I think, in the top twenty in every poll until the final poll of the season. Yeah. Um, and like realistically, that's probably not gonna happen with the next guy. And I do think, and, and this is what I'll say with Steve, is I do think that you're right, is I think he's had success in the Mountain West. Um, I think that he's going to recruit his kind of guys. He's going to recruit three, four-year guys. And I think if you even ask Steve, um, you know, I think, like, he probably focused too much on recruiting, you know, star power and big names and mm-hmm. off of recruiting rankings rather than going to get guys that worked for him. Now, I think he would also maybe argue potentially that, you know, at UCLA, you can't bring in three and four year guys and develop them because that's not what the fan base will allow. So like, yeah, no, I I think it's fair. I I think what I would say is it's tough for me because as I've really thought about it more, I do understand both perspectives, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like I think my perspective isn't as simple as just wins and losses. I think what part of my perspective is, is that, like I said, off the top, the brand that Eric Musselman created, the excitement that Eric Musselman created in that city. Um, and I know like, you know, there are fans that are saying like, you know, it was too much by the end. It was too much about him, not enough about the players, all that stuff, whatever. Um, but I would also say that I, I do think like, I, I think that was fun for Nevada fans. Like it was fun turning on sports center and Nevada being a lead story on any given night. And you know, the, 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 you know, my podcast or CBS sports podcast or whoever having Eric Musselman on there and having a national, you know, like, like, look, I had Eric Musselman on my podcast last, last year. And then the next show I had Chris Beard and Chris Beard made a final four. Like <laughs> I would think that's probably pretty cool for Nevada fans. Like, wow, you know, we're, we're in this conversation. And so I think that's part of this as well. And this is maybe part of it that didn't get out as well on social media is, 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 you know, Steve is a very, you know, he's kind of a, a a down home guy. You know, he's a Midwest guy. We all know his backstory. By the way, if you can ever get him on this show or get time with him, I will say this in defense of Steve Alford. He has some unbelievable stories because, I mean, this is a guy that played on an Olympic team with Michael Jordan. 
Um, you know, he played on a national championship team under Bobby Knight. So he's got some incredible stories, but he isn't, you know, I, and this is part of it to me is he isn't that personality like Musk where there was just so much excitement in that community. And it felt like following all you guys that love and care about Nevada basketball, that every day there was something else to talk about. It was a new recruit. It was, we're in on this five-star. It was, this transfer is visiting. It was, you know, must appeared on Jim Rome. Let's talk about it. Hey, you know, hopefully, hey, must appeared on Torres' podcast. Let's talk about it. Like, that that last part probably didn't happen. But the point <laughs> is, it's like, you know, the guy created a lot of excitement. And so that, to me, was part of this as well, is knowing Steve the way that I do, you know, he's just very much a basketball guy. There's not going to be a you're, you're not going to hear a lot from him from the day the season ends till the next season begins. You're not going to hear him on, uh, you know, a bunch of national shows like he's just kind of a guy that likes to keep to himself, likes to work with his team, likes to work with his assistant coaches, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that is part of it as well. But if you are strictly talking about it from the, hey, must won three Mountain West titles in the last three years. Is it realistic that Steve Alford could win two in the next three or two in the next four or three out of the next five? From that perspective, I will give uh, Nevada fans credit in that, yes, I I absolutely could see that. And back to kind of my earlier point um, is I never I've never you know, you can go back and look at all my tweets. I've never said Steve Alford is a bad coach. I just thought going from Musk to Alford from a personality perspective, right. maybe not the greatest. Yeah, and that's the thing a lot of people are going to. And Musk was a showman. He was a marketer. He was a salesman. He really breathed a lot of hype into the program, into the fan base. And Steve Alford is just the kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. I mean, he still has a UCLA Twitter handle. So <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> it's crazy. His so Nevada's marketing team is they're unbelievably talented. So I'm really curious to see what they can do with him in terms of like, hey, you don't need to type up this tweet, but we do need you to like smile and wave for this gif or something. <laughs> so I'll, yeah. I'll be really interested to see what they can do from that perspective. And you kind of hit on what I want to go to next is, so he's a different personality, but because he's a different personality doesn't mean he can't win in Reno. What do you think would be a 10-year com- contract fully guaranteed? It can be really scary. Like what if this thing bombs in two or three years? I mean, what what would you say the confidence level should be that he'll maintain a level of success, say 20 wins a year in contention for a Mountain West title? Well, I think the one thing that he's really going to have going for him is exactly what we've kind of alluded to is it is a 10 year commitment. It is a long term, you know, to use a bad cliche, like it's a marriage on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, yeah, like. Could I see a scenario where Craig Smith is gone from Utah State in a year or two? Yeah, like his name was already popping up in job searches this year after one season. Um, You know, you would think that with most of his team back next year, if he makes another tournament, you know, maybe he'll be gone. Um, TJ Otzenberger, like, I think is a really good coach. If he has a ton of success, is he at at UNLV three, four, five years down the road? So I do. Exactly. And well, so you just answered my question for me. And so. And I think that's something that Nevada does have going for him is that I think Steve Alford can confidently look a recruit in the eye and say, look, I'm going to be here four years. Not only am I going to be here for four years, I plan on being here four years after you leave. Um, And so so I do think that's something that he has going for him. I don't think the highs will ever probably be as high as they were, um, you know, the last 
18 months or so. And that's not to say you can't make a sweet 16, but not just the sweet 16, but all the, 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 the hype that came to start right. the 2018, 2018 season. Um, but no, I, I listen, I'll say this. I don't think it ever gets to like the terrible, like this is the, like this goes down as one of the worst tires of the decade kind of deals. Mm-hmm. And in year four, the the team is eight and twenty two, and everyone's looking at looking around like, "What the heck just happened?" <laughs> um, I do think you know it's going to be like I said, it's going to be different. Um, I think if he can obviously look, if he can retain most of the guys on the team, they can be competitive right away. I don't right. think that he will, and we can get into that. Um, but like, I don't think that he will. But if he can, like, they could be competitive right away. Um, but I think it's going to be, you know, just. Like, like, uh, it's going to be another Mountain West team, and and some years they're going to be really good and have a chance to to get a you know a seven seed and and make the Sweet Sixteen. And some years they're, they're probably not going to really be in competition for a Mountain West uh, a right, uh, title. Um, but you know, I would say realistically, like, yeah, like if in year five, like, could I see two regular season, you know, three regular season titles, two tournament appearances? Like, yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. I could see like one tournament appearance. I like I I don't think it's going to be a total disaster. And that that again, and, and I know I keep harping back on it, but I think that's something that got lost in the shuffle is that you know the way that maybe I made it sound was they're going to be zero and thirty two in two years. Like no, no like that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I I think that it will be like I don't think the highs will be quite as high, but I don't think there's going to be like excruciating terrible lows right. either. It's going to be hard to match some of the highs from this last year. I mean, the end of the year will hopefully be be tops because it was brutal end of the year. But I mean, being ranked top five in the country, all the national love, SVP pumping up Nevada. I mean, so much fun. So we'll see what happens with the transfers. I mean, all of them in the portal right now, except for Jazz, I guess. Uh, Alfred is different from Mus in how he recruits as well. Mus obviously relies on transfers. Steve Alfred wants to bring guys in and develop them. I mean, what do you think he's going to be able to do from a recruiting perspective in getting high school kids in Nevada? Because that's something folks in Reno are unfamiliar with over the next or last three or four years, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it'll be interesting because I don't know that he's super anti-transfer, but it is really hard to get transfers into UCLA. Um, and that's something that, you know, his staff behind the scenes would, would kind of, you know, they would whisper is is like, hey, you know, when we lose a guy early to the NBA – like, you know, I could tell you right now, like I, you know, I, I had an, I had a conversation with his lead assistant, David Grace, uh, before Lonzo ball ever played a game, they had already gotten a commitment from Jalen hands because they knew Lonzo ball is only going to be here one year and we have to find his replacement right now. This isn't Nevada or, uh, you know, wherever fill in the blank where we can just kind of see what, what pops up on the transfer market after the season and kind of fill out our roster from there. Um, so I don't think he's like super anti transfer, but I do think he's a guy that that's going to want to develop guys three, four years. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I, I think that, you know, as he looks at things, I mean, he's going to look for, I think his kind of guys, which are more three, four year players, like you said, out of high school, going to take time to develop. Um, I'll be curious to see too, by the way, how that does work because, you know, the, 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 the success that he had at New Mexico, which is indisputable. You know, it's a little bit of a different era right now, yep. and guys aren't as willing to sit out or not sit out, but but to to ride the pine for two years and and kind of really uh, you know start making a difference as a junior. Um, and so I, I think he's going to have to find that balance. I, I don't know, 
I'd be lying if I said I talked to him or anybody that he plans on having on his staff of what is going to be the blueprint. Um, but I would think it's going to be a lot of three and four year guys. I think it would be um, guys that buy into what he wants to do. I think it would be the occasional transfer. Like I said, I, I, I think that he's actually probably more interested in using the transfer market than I think a lot of people realize. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he just wasn't really able to do that at UCLA. Right. Um, but I think it's going to be less hype. I don't think it's going to be a lot of Jordan Browns and Kyrie Walkers and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, like, look, if the right guy's there and they think they can get him, I think they'll go after him. But I do I think recruiting is going to be much more low-key, uh, you know, much more developmental guys, stuff like that. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see for sure. I mean, we could talk about this for hours and all the different angles and nuances to this. So before that you go, dude, we, we, we got to make a bet here. You down to make a bet? Oh. So let's do it. All right, so I am much more optimistic about the Alford hiring than you are. So this year, Nevada set the single-season attendance record, averaged little over, almost 10,900 fans per game. And one of your things has been the buzz is going to disappear, right? There's not going to be as much excitement around the program, which is understandable. But what do you sure. want to set the over-under at average home attendance for games next year at? Well, I mean, the way Nevada fans make it sound is that as long as they keep winning, every single seat is going to be filled every single night. And I don't know what I'm talking about. So I think the over-under should be 10-9, if we're being perfectly <laughs> honest. It's, there's going to be no drop-off. No, I'm kidding. Um, if you're asking me for a number, will you give me nine? Will you say if, I, if, 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 if it goes over an average of nine per game, you win? If it goes under, I win? Well, so here's the much? thing. Here's the thing. You, you, you're willing to go almost low as eight. So I say we cut it in half. Let's go 8-5. I'll sure. t- I'll take the over, you take the under, and then the stakes will be so if it goes over, I get to write a forty-five second read for the Reno slant, and you got to do it on your podcast. And if it goes under, sure. okay. you you do a forty-five second read for your podcast for your show, and I'll I'll do it on on my podcast. How about we just do it one better? I'll do the read into an interview with you. And you could tell me how I was wrong about Steve Alford, but if not, then I have to come back on this show and and I'll do my own read. Okay, how's that sound? I, I like that. Even I mean, better. I know. I'm, uh, yeah, I was gonna say I know I'm kind of a uh, you know always welcome as the contrarian you know Nevada hater. Uh, so um, you know whatever, but uh, but you know I, I don't want to put too much pressure on you to have me back. And by the way, like I hope I'm wrong. I hope I have to come on. Listen, you know that's like one thing I do kind of want to get across is like. I'm not rooting for this to fail because the guy that I thought should have been hired didn't get hired. And I think that's like where a lot of the confusion has come in is like, no, like I want Nevada to be good. Like, by the way, like I said a minute ago, they're a state school in a pseudo prominent conference. Like it's good for college basketball if if Nevada Reno's good. And so just to be clear, I'm not rooting for anybody. And I'll gladly come on and admit I was wrong uh, if in a year I was wrong. So uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, I appreciate you giving me this forum. I appreciate, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, you having me. And then, you know, I guess we'll just kind of play it by ear from here. I'm curious to see how this whole thing plays out, because I will say this, you know, I don't I don't I don't know that I'll be, uh, you know, super welcome in in Reno anymore uh, after everything that I've said over the last couple months, but or last couple of days. But uh, I've, I, I enjoyed every time that I came up there. Uh, I enjoyed my time around the program. And I hope I do get a chance to come back up because I think uh, the Nevada fan base is awesome. You know, they support their team. They love their team. Uh, there's no doubt about the passion. And so I hope I'm wrong. We'll see. 
Uh, but obviously, uh, you know, we will do a nice meaty Nevada segment on my show uh, <laughs> if, if I am going to be wrong. Oh, dude, for sure. We, we love having you on. We'd rather you be honest than, than lie to us and say you feel this way about something when you, may, when you don't. So we appreciate you coming on, sharing some insight. I hope everyone listening enjoyed the kind of back and forth there a little bit. So, Aaron, uh, you're the man, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Yeah, and I would encourage everybody that's a Nevada fan, if, if you have followed me and you disagree with me or you at least are aware of who I am, feel free to hit me on Twitter, at Aaron underscore Torres. You know I mean? As long as it's cordial – uh, as long as you know you're not calling uh, you know my mom names or whatever, uh, you know I'm willing to talk about it. And so, but I appreciate you, Nathan, as always, man. And, and I love your passion for the Wolf Pack. Uh, I enjoyed the hell out of the last couple seasons. I hope that they can continue keeping it going this way. Well, that makes uh, at least two of us need to keep this thing going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Talk to you later. That means that we need all of you guys to go to Nevada basketball games next year because we really need attendance to be above. 8,500. That, that means that uh, I'm going on, on Aaron's podcast and I'm gonna just going to dunk on him. Be like, bro, you're an idiot. You had no idea what you were talking about. So everyone, go to Nevada games next year. Do not get rid of those season tickets. Let's do the over on average uh, for uh, Lawler attendance next year. We'll kick it now to our conversation with John Ramey. John is obviously the voice of Nevada. He worked with Steve Alford back from both of their days at UCLA. So we got John's insights on, on the higher uh, the press conference last Friday, and then we certainly talked some Nevada baseball as well because Nevada crazy to believe that we're already starting to come down the stretch. So here's our conversation with John. Okay, John, uh, it's been a little bit since we last had you on the podcast. A few things ha- have changed <laughs> since then. Um, I, I guess we'll start with you, uh, just for many people who certainly listen to you. Uh, what you been up to? Well, Nevada baseball. Uh, I had a wonderful uh, opportunity to work a Westwood One game on the Women's Elite Eight uh, round of the tournament up in Portland. Um, it was Oregon and Mississippi State. That was the uh, first time in my career I'd done that, so I had to step aside for a weekend and do that. But, you know, it's been a great spring. Obviously, we were all hoping that the pack would go a little bit mm-hmm. deeper into the tournament, but the tournament is, uh, is cruel. And has been for many great teams and many great programs over many, many years. And so uh, it's uh, been a busy spring, perhaps in not ways that we all anticipated. But you know the deal. Sure. I'm just happy yep. to have work. <laughs> well, getting to cover the Oregon women in the Elite Eight at Portland, I mean, that mm-hmm. probably had to be almost a home game for Oregon. That had to be a ton of fun. It was. Um, it was incredible. Uh, my, I got my break calling women's basketball at UC Riverside, my first two seasons at the Division One level uh, for head coach John Margarides, who's still there. And he had his team in the tournament my first year in spring of 2007. So I've always had a high regard and uh, just kind of always kept an eye on the women's game. I grew up in the Bay Area when Tara Vanderveer and Jennifer AZ uh, were bringing that program to national prominence so it was really cool and then you know it was an 88 84 final sabrina ionescu was brilliant she had 31 points mississippi state was two-time national finalist trying to get back to the final four for the third year in a row and then eleven thousand oregon ducks fans uh in the um trailblazers arena was mm-hmm. real i mean it was it was the greatest women's game i'd ever seen in person sure yeah that game that game i remember i watched a little bit of that game that was a fun game oh, so phenomenal so the, the big news 
this week, and one of the reasons we certainly wanted to get you on this week was Steve Alford replacing Muss at Nevada, huge 10-year contract. Uh, You worked with Steve Alford when you guys were at UCLA. You guys weren't best friends, but you worked together in some capacity, and I know that you really like the hire. So I I guess just kind of what are your thoughts? Well, from just a selfish level, I hosted the coaches show for four years at UCLA um, before I came to Nevada. And I also filled in on one play-by-play game. uh, And that was in November, 2016. That was the Lonzo ball, TJ leaf uh, season. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did one game where obviously I was next to, you know, coach Alford in the bench. And uh, that was the final of the wooden classic down in Anaheim. So I don't have a, a ton of cockpit hours, to use the T.J. Bruce phrase, uh, <laughs> calling Coach Alford's games. But we spoke once a week, every week, throughout the academic year, you know, kind of November through March mm-hmm. uh, for four years in a row. And he was a delight to work with. I mean, just a very steady presence. I mean, I covered all three of his Sweet 16 teams and wedged in there was a team that finished under 500 um, because of injuries and because of a couple uh, – uh, recruits that I think predated Coach Alford that didn't quite pan out. So there was kind of one year where they didn't have the firepower and they finished under 500. And that was an exceptionally tough year because his son, Bryce Alford, who was an all-conference player and a great player at UCLA and, and holds three-point records, that year they weren't very good. And he was kind of a high-usage player mm-hmm. just because there was a little bit of a of a talent deficit that one season. And... That was a tough year for Bryce because there were some very negative uh, critical fans who who uh, thought that uh, special you know, treatment. Yeah, yeah, there was special treatment. But the the fact of the matter was he was arguably the best player on the team and was really the only thing keeping him afloat. And so I felt like that year, because it was so difficult and the criticism was so kind of personal, that uh, I really respected how Coach Alford maintained his exact same demeanor approach i mean you you wouldn't know if it was the lonzo ball year or the year before just dealing with him so i just loved his consistency and i loved his professionalism you were at the press conference on on friday and one of the biggest sports cliches when you have a new coach is winning the press conference so (laughs) what did you take away from the press conference it was a victory um i felt that I felt that it was really cool, the production value, the the event staff and, and the administration with the athletics department really put together a pretty cool event on really short notice. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know, I, I thought that we heard from Coach Alford kind of exactly who he is. He's a guy that, that likes to smile. He likes to keep people loose. He, he, you know, he can have a little bit of fun, but his focus is basketball. He is very, I mean, the thing about Steve Alford is he knows exactly who he is. Uh, he doesn't have he's not worried about convincing people. He's he's not an arrogant person at all. He's a humble guy. But there is no whiff of insecurity. Mm-hmm. He said it in that press conference. It's not about me. Like today can be about me. That's fine. But it's about the players. And I, I just thought it was all on display in that press conference. It was everything that I had uh, expected and everything I'd come to know about the guy and working with him previously. So I thought it was uh, I thought it was great. I think it's a great hire, and I thought it was a great first day for Coach Alford and the Wolfpack faithful. Doing what you do, you certainly prefer to speak ob- objectively. You've been in Reno though now for two years, and th- there's the the contrast between Muss and Alford and and their styles is is pretty extreme. 
So what can you say maybe about Alfred style and, and how you see that maybe meshing with Reno, especially considering how the last coach kind of carried himself? Um, let me first just say I loved working with Eric Musselman and he was great to me and uh, could not have been better to me in two seasons and um, very happy for him and his opportunity. And, you know, he did incredible things with this program. Um, so I was sad that he left because mm-hmm. I enjoyed working with him and, and I also very much enjoyed the success of his program, right? That was, for mm-hmm. those of you who don't maybe know, it is much more fun to work for a winning team. <laughs> much uh, more fun. You know, yeah. and that's probably true across all <laughs> positions in sport. Uh, I mean, Coach Alford is, he is, I mean, I don't know how much he's going to tweet. I don't know how much he's going <laughs> to do goofy videos, but that's the luxury of inheriting the program after Eric Musselman. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to compare too much on on the approach of Alford versus Musselman because the program is in a different time zone. It's on a different planet than when Eric Musselman got the program. When when yep. Coach Musk got there, got here, he had to conjure up interest. It was mm-hmm. a nine win program, right? I mean that's that's not terribly interesting. So yep. so I think the onus. I think the mission for Coach Alford will will be fundamentally different because he's coming off a year where there were you know multiple eleven thousand plus crowds at Lawler Event Center. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know if you know the the hype machine factor will be the same, um, but I don't necessarily think it needs to be. Certainly, the sideline demeanor will be different. Yeah, Coach Alford likes to get in a crouch. <laughs> he will talk to the officials, but um, he said in his press conference, I don't want guys checking in with me. I want them to go. I yeah. want them to know what they're supposed to do. I don't want to be holding up the the flow of play. I don't want to be kind of conducting it on such a on such a, a possession by possession or pass by pass basis on the offensive side or the defensive side. Right. So I think I think that'll be a contrast. Mm-hmm. And uh, if if there's one being that is excited that was excited I should say about Must leaving, it's got to be the heart of the floor at Lawler. I think he's going to get a break now. <laughs> he <laughs> and, wore that and, thing out. <laughs> and the scoring table, and specifically the LED display, uh, right in front of me. Um, because Musk, and again, just so people know, Musk was never out of control on the sideline. Every pained visage, every slamming down of his fist on the on the padded top of the scoring table, every kick of the scoring table, I mean, all choreographed for effect. But I do recall one time he did knock out like a little panel of lights uh, <laughs> or, you know, LED display sure. kind of right there. Um, I don't I mean, you know, if that happens with Coach Alford, I won't I won't clutch my pearls. But I, he tends not to be kind of on that side of the um, sure. demeanor, you know, spectrum. Sure. You, Alford, TJ Bruce, even Angus McClure, offensive line coach for, for Nevada football. You guys all have UCLA roots. Are you guys going to start a UCLA Nevada fraternity now or, or what? Let's not leave out Jake Silverman, baseball assistant, who also served uh, with TJ as an assistant under Reno High School's John Savage at wow. UCLA. Um, <laughs> listen, you know, I, I think that it speaks to where the University of Nevada is on the athletic landscape. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a really beautiful campus. It is a very highly regarded academic institution. It is a tremendous community in an incredible place on earth. And so people who have worked at UCLA, people who would consider working at UCLA, 
also consider Nevada a place they want to work. And I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think it shows that the Wolfpack, Northern Nevada, is a super appealing place to live and to work. And so, I mean, it, as far as talking about, you know, who's been at UCLA or whatever, it's, it's always cool. And this is true in any job when you've worked with people before in another place and you know that you've worked, you mm -hmm. know, cordially with them. So it's fun to work with them in another place. But I, I think the bigger story is the University of Nevada is a really attractive place for high-end profession. And, you know, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about high-end coaches <laughs> that, that want to win. Yeah. Well, I, this this last, I mean, getting Alford, obviously, I think is the most telling argument for that case, right? I mean, you, you can make a very strong argument. This is the biggest splash hire the university's ever made. And so for a lot of fans right now, you're looking at Steve Alford wants to come to Reno. Whoa. Like and I, I will say this, you know, I thought, I thought the minute the UNLV job came open, I'm like, you know, Alford, they should probably hire Alford. Now, I'm not in the business of telling UNLV or anybody else's administration who they should be hiring. But when you think about a guy with that resume, with that track record in the Mountain West available, and, I, you know, I didn't know if he wanted the UNLV job, and I, I probably will never know if he would have wanted that job. Right. I didn't know if he'd want the Nevada job when it came open, but I was hoping he would. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he that that's a big guy. I mean, he, he won a lot in this league. Mm -hmm. A ton. A ton, yeah. certainly. We mentioned TJ Bruce. Um, so let, let's do transition here. We'll talk a little baseball. It's been kind of a bumpy go for the guys since getting to Mountain West play, really. There's a month left in the regular season. They're currently just outside the top four. Big series win at New Mexico this past weekend. We, we've talked about this a little bit before uh, off the podcast. So what do you think the team needs to do to get into one of those top four spots and, and get into the Mountain West Conference tournament? I think they need to not panic. I mean, the truth of the matter is it's a very talented roster. And we have seen stretches of play this year, pitching, defense, and offense, that have been really good. So I think they just need to kind of stay the course. You know, baseball is a quirky game, and there are a lot of games. And so sometimes you've got to play a lot of games to kind of get through the bad breaks, right? Mm -hmm. not, not every time an opponent makes an error will you have a runner at third base. So not every time when you make an error will the opponent have uh, – uh, no people on base, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes there is a little bit of luck. I, I don't think Nevada's been unlucky, but it's just kind of hasn't broken their way, whether it's hitting with runners in scoring position or getting kind of back-to-back -back great starts from Owen Schartz or getting Jake Jackson fully back to where he needs to be on Sunday. So mm -hmm. the fact that they have four conference weekend series remaining and the fact that they are in the hunt I think is actually very positive. And then as long as they're in the top four, they're hosting the tournament this year. Right. And as we know, the tournament is, is really the thing. So yeah, you always want to get hardware and win the regular mm -hmm. season championship, which is still in play, but I think they've got to keep doing what they're doing. I mean, let's face it. Ryan Anderson is an ace. He'd yep. be an ace in any conference in America. You have a really solid bullpen. That's better than last year's. Mm -hmm. You have better defense than last year. And I think you have equal offensive firepower, maybe more evenly distributed up up and down the lineup. It just needs to kind of click consistently. Right. Yeah, I, I want to talk about the offense a little bit. I mean, you have Josh Amora, who hits the crap out of baseballs. You have Dylan Shrum, who's having another good year. 
You've seen some other guys kind of struggle, at least from with from a consistency standpoint. Some batting averages aren't great. I think there's an expectation the team was going to take a little step back offensively this year. Have you been surprised to see the offense kind of go through some of the ebbs and flows that it's gone through? I mean, no, because it's baseball. But one thing that I do know I've spoken to Coach Bruce about is the strikeout numbers are a little high. Yeah. Uh, this This is a team that wants to put pressure on defenses. You want to... You know, make a pitcher uncomfortable, especially if they're in a groove. So, you know, you want to bunt. You want to make them feel this position. You want to put pressure on the other team. And strikeouts don't do that. Mm-hmm. So that has been probably the one the one real thing about the offense that I would say has been I – don't, I don't like to word, use the word disappointing. I think Coach Bruce might say it's disappointing. Sure. Uh, that, that was a bit of a surprise for me. But I, I still think, you know, the emergence of Jalen McLaughlin as an offensive threat and as a, as a very – very solid to spectacular center fielder has been tremendous. Remember, they were trying to find a place for him on the infield last year. And I also think the emergence of Connor Allard, whether it's at catcher or at first base or at second base, is really good because he has very mature plate approach and he can play multiple positions. So he didn't really start the year getting a ton of reps, Mm -hmm. but he has crept into the lineup. And and I think those two guys are going to kind of anchor the consistency down the stretch if they can do that i, I think nevada's well positioned yeah so let, let, let's talk about the the mountain west conference tournament here r- really quickly you mentioned those two dudes i mean in the conference tournament format in college baseball there's a chance you're going to be playing four games in five days four games in three days w- whatever it is and nevada's in a situation where you got to feel pretty good about them in that in that yep. format with th- their bullpen shane gustafson grant ford tyler smith have all been nails out of the bullpen. So even considering the fact this team has been up and down this year, I would imagine you feel pretty good about that group if they can get in. Super good. Plus you got Bon and Font, who who is good, like mm-hmm. established good. You have Dalton Gomez, who can be extremely competitive in long relief or in spot starts. Um, and, and then you have Schartz and Jackson is, is kind of your X factors as starters. But, I mean, Schartz last time out was really good, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, New Mexico didn't score off him. So I think if if you get those guys kind of anywhere near kind of just a midline performance and then Ryan Anderson is Ryan Anderson, I I think it's going to be very difficult to beat Nevada in a conference tournament format and, let's be honest, in a regional format. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would be really fun to see them get that far, no question. John, appreciate you, man. Good luck the rest of the season, and uh, let's get you on again soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Nevada baseball. Back at it this weekend, a huge, huge series in Reno, really. UNLV coming to town, so it's a rivalry. UNLV is currently in fourth place in the Mountain West, so UNLV is in that fourth and final spot to get into the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Because it's Easter weekend, the series is going to start on Thursday. So Thursday at 6, Friday at 6, and then the series finale Saturday at 1 at Piccoli. Bro, what is something we need to know or I guess remember about the Rebels? Well, we might as well remember that they are the pettiest university organization on the planet. <laughs> looking at obviously looking at all these schedules and everything, the only place you can find it in their Nevada or UNLV baseball schedule, Nevada listed as UNR. So they continue to act like little children. Even as I was reading that last night, I just <laughs> I don't know. It, it shouldn't it shouldn't bother me or uh, uh, surprise me. I guess the best way to put it. But even. Because I was messing around Oregon State schedule and just UNLV just needs to figure it out. They're just 
They're just annoying. On the field, UNLV is 22-16. and 16. They're 9-9. and nine. I mentioned they're in fourth place in the Mountain West, just one game ahead of Nevada. So if Nevada can win the series this weekend, depending on what happens with uh, who else would be there? New Mexico, potentially. Nevada will move into that fourth spot to get into the Mountain West Conference Tournament. The Rebels' RPI is at 107. Nevada's is at 149. The Rebels have won five, five of six. They just took two of three from mighty first place San Jose State, and they beat number nine ASU last week. So they come to Reno playing pretty good baseball right now. That was my second point, was I was going to say they need a little bit of a heat check. And I had literally those exact stats right. So I'll move on to my next one. <laughs> Dylan Johnson, he's the guy with the most ABs, and he has the highest batting percentage on the team. He's batting 340 right now. He's got 52 hits and 153 ABs. Um, he has been swinging the bat real nice. Last game he went, or his last game where he didn't record at least one hit was on March 30th against against New Mexico. You know, 0 for 4 of that game. So Dylan Johnson, he in this last little stretch where UNLV's been heating up, he it's you know largely been in part because of his mm-hmm. sticks. Their offense collectively is really good, and we talked about New Mexico's offense last week. UNLV clearly not it's not an argument. UNLV clearly has the best offense in the Mountain West. Uh, they lead the Mountain West in bat, team batting average, two ninety five runs. They average north of six point two per game. Hits, they average almost 11 hits per game. RBI, walks, and extra base hits. They average three extra base hits a game, which is kind of a silly stat. They have five starters who have a batting average north of 320, which is crazy. One of them, a different guy than you just mentioned, is Max Smith. He really is their guy. He's batting 327. He leads the Mountain West in home runs with nine. He's second in the Mountain West in RBIs with 40. Uh, So they have some pop. In the lineup, they hit for average, and they score a lot of runs. So for for this staff, for Ryan Anderson, Owen Schartz, whoever goes game three, it's uh, a tall task. These, these dudes can swing it. And uh, the last point I'll make before we get to our favorite player on the other roster here is they got a dude in junior shortstop, Bryson Stott, who's being heralded as not the best shortstop in the Mount West, as the best shortstop in the entire country. He's been the Mountain West Player of the Week two straight weeks. He's riding a nine-game hitting streak. Over the last nine games, he's 16 for 36. That's a crisp 444 batting average with 11 ribbies in there. He's, his average over the season is 338. He leads the team in runs with 43, and he can run a little bit. Nine for 11, swooping bags, and he's got pop. Seven dingers. So Bryson Stott coming to Reno, he's a dude. No, no question. Who is your favorite player on the other roster? No favorite players from Nevada Southern. <laughs> I went with 5'11 freshman outfielder James Gamble just because that is the unbelievably perfect name for someone who is an athlete for UNLV. James Gamble as a freshman. He's batting 269. He's played 35 of the – started 35 of the 38 games, excuse me. Batting 269 this year. So what are the keys? Ooh, very nice. What are the keys to a series win for Nevada? Contradicts the last series, but I'm going to go with game one win. Uh, Need a bounce back win from Ryan Anderson. It'd be sweet, sweet to get that solidified, especially with the way UNLV has been playing. Get out ahead of them, playing at home. So game one is going to be a 
obviously be a crucial one. UNLV, you figure, is going to score some runs this weekend. So offensively, scored 22 runs over the last two games. Keep it going here. Uh, it would be awesome to see if these guys can turn it on coming down the stretch. Nevada actually, here's a stat. Nevada leads the Mountain West despite the offensive struggles this year in home runs with 30. And UNLV as a staff has given up the most home runs in the Mountain West with 36. So you'd think there would be a chance for Nevada to hit some balls out of the park. You have Dylan Trum with eight home runs. That's second in the Mountain West. Josh Amora has seven. That's third in the Mountain West. And it's kind of funny. You go to the other dugout. Max Smith, uh, Trum, Stott, Zamora. Those guys are one, two, three, four in the Mountain West in home runs. So you figure out on both sides there's going to be some dingers. We've also well, we've talked about how good UNLV's hitting is. There is one guy though in the lineup who is struggling, so we're gonna need him to get up when it's crunch time. His name's Grant Robbins, outfielder. He has six hits in his last forty abs, uh, one fifty three of thirteen in the last series against Nevada. That was two thirty. He's also from Gorman, so take that as you may. Take that as you may. But let's get Grant, Grant Robbins. You know, if there's if any of uh, Nevada's staff is in a sticky situation, couple runners on, not as many outs, Grant Robbins needs to step up. <laughs> I'm really curious to see what, what Owen Schartz does on Friday night in, in game two. That start at New Mexico was huge last week. It certainly seems like he's starting to settle in a little bit. His last two starts, 11 and a third, only four total runs. Uh, if Nevada can win game one, he can deliver a strong start in game two. Then you're feeling really good about things. A true freshman game starting to mean a lot more. You're playing a rival. You're at home. I'm so curious to see uh, what he's going to look like on Friday. Every pitch, every AB is starting to get to that point in the season where they all matter. But I'm really curious to see what Owen Sharks does. Do you have another one? I said those two. The last one here. We'll throw some numbers at you. We're not a math podcast. But we'll throw some numbers at you. UNLV is 5-13 and 13 this year when it's held to five runs or fewer. So there's a number you would think, okay, five runs or fewer for the staff. And UNLV is 5-8 and eight on the road this year. That's not necessarily a great number either. UNLV will be on the road this weekend, obviously. UNLV is 8-12 and 12 when allowing six or more runs. That's a stat we've talked about for a few weeks now. Nevada is 11-1 and one when scoring six or more runs. So we're not a math podcast. We can figure this out here. If UNLV is held to five or fewer and Nevada scores six or more, six is more than five. You figure Nevada's going to be in a pretty good spot this weekend. Let's get a couple six, five wins, huh? <laughs> oh, I hope that happens. All right. <laughs> prediction. What do you got? With those numbers, you've convinced me. I'm going on a limb. I'm calling for the sweep. Ooh. Get, your, get the brooms ready. Get the brooms out. That would be huge. Uh, it feels like this team is starting to put some things together now. UNLV did take two of three from Nevada down here in Vegas in March. All three of those games were pretty close. I'll say with Nevada getting the stick starting to go a little bit, Owen Sharp starting to get it going a little bit, I'll say Nevada returns the favor, takes two of three, and, and moves into the four spot. I can I can live with that prediction. Yeah, you, okay. We can live with that one. And then, this, it's not a Mountain West series, but because this is certainly one of the highlighted series of the year, we'll talk a little bit about Oregon State coming to town uh, on Monday and Tuesday. Game one, Monday at 6. Game two, Tuesday at noon. 
Nevada's doing a pretty fun promo where the cost of tickets are whatever Oregon State's national ranking is. And I believe it's two right now. Oregon State is ranked number two in the country. So you can get in there uh, to Coley Park for two bucks this weekend. What is something we need to know about the Beavs? The Beavs can smack the ball, and they do it a lot. Now, Oregon State, when they record more hits than their opponents, they are 19-0-1 this season mm. when recording more hits. So I'm assuming a ri- some game must have got rained out or popo- um, something to get that one. Or The tie? Yeah, the tie. The tie, they played Coast, They played Coastal Carolina in this like baseball showcase earlier in the year, and the tournament had a time limit. So they, they reached the time limit. That's why they got the tie in there. Yeah, that's weak. But anyways, Oregon State can smack the ball, so that's going to be priority one. Get more hits than them, I guess. Oregon State is the defending national champion. The Bees are 25-8-1. I mentioned they're number two in the country. The RPI has them at number two. You mentioned the tie. I, I certainly looked at that. Uh, how do you have a tie in there? So that makes a little bit more sense. This is one of the best teams that is ever going to come to Reno. Really fun opportunity for the guys. It doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. Nevada's not going to get an at-large berth. This is a cool opportunity, though. You have the defending national champs. They're rolling. They're coming to Reno. Uh, it's going to be a fu- fun couple games, a fun weekend. St- I mean, starting Thursday, ending Tuesday. This is a really fun stretch of baseball coming up at Bacoli. Uh, you mentioned the offense. They can smack some baseballs. The, their batting average isn't great. They're, they're hitting 258 as a team this year. That's pretty much exactly what Nevada's is. Number 189 in the country. Oregon State is. But they got some dudes. It, they got one especially. Adley, I'm going to butcher his last name. Adley Rutschman. He's absolutely ridiculous. Some of these numbers. He's batting 413 this year. It's 13th in the country. He has 12 home runs, tied for 12th in the country. He is the guy who really makes his offense go, and some of the numbers he's putting up this year are bonkers. So you know that he's going to be a guy they have circled in the scouting report going into those two games. Definitely going to be some focus on him. On the other side, they do have a dynamite bullpen. So prior to the series, they're gonna, they have a three-game series against uh, University of Arizona coming up. But they got a trio, Dylan Pierce, Christian Chamberlain, and Jake Mulholland. Mulholland. They combined to hold Arizona State to three hits and three walks and three and two-thirds. And that lowered the season bullpen to one point, the ERA to 1.7 this season. Yeah, they got dudes who absolutely shove. We're not going to see any of their, their aces or any of their, their regular starters because they'll obviously pitch this weekend against Arizona so you'll see those bullpen arms this team's ERA is disgusting the staff as a whole is disgusting their ERA is 278 as a group that's number five in the country they have struck and or they've fanned 317 batters and walked just 111 so they basically have a three to one strikeout to walk ratio as a staff as a collective that is obnoxious opponents are hitting 212 against them and they have a defense that backs them up as well. They got a team fielding percentage of 978. That's 26th in the country. So their their staff, their defense, you figure runs might be tough to come by. Really hope the bats can keep it going. We'll see what happens to the UNLV series, but they're going to need them. <laughs> to, hopefully they can do something against Oregon State and that staff because those dudes can uh, they can put you back on the pine in a hurry. All right, what do you, what do you got for prediction on those two games? I'm going to be the sad sack here. I'm going to say Nevada drops too. 
College baseball is a, is funky, and you have these. So you have the series week, the weekend series that are in conference. Then you have these weekday games where you have the non-conference games, and you it's pretty common you see some funky results in there. We talked about UNLV being number nine Arizona State just last week. I'm going to say Nevada finds a way to get one of them. I'm going to say Nevada splits this, this weekend. Uh, bullpen for Oregon State is clearly a strength. Bullpen's clearly a strength for Nevada as well. And we mentioned Oregon State's batting average not great. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a bullpen arm put together a really strong outing and Nevada maybe sneaks one out 4-2. All right. I can get behind that. Okay, we'll jump into some slants here. Uh, before we do, though, we know that summer is approaching. The sunburn on my neck would certainly indicate that as well. And summer, that's down here in Vegas. And summer in Reno, nah, we're getting there. Uh, but a lot of us need to tighten up. So you guys need to check out Movement Nutrition in Reno. Our boy Jake is going to hook you up with custom fitness and nutrition plans. He's going to provide you with sustainable weight loss that allows you to eat what you want, when you want. He's going to limit your cravings and your binge, binge eating that gets you in all sorts of trouble. The plan is practical. It's not something that's super obnoxious. It's proven. We strongly encourage you to check it out. Not tomorrow, but check it out today. He actually posted some before and after pictures of one of our buddies this week, and I, I truly couldn't believe it. I, I like That is that's crazy. So the stuff works. You need to check them out at movementnutrition.com. That's M-O-V-E-M-I-N-T nutrition.com or call 775-538-5555. First slant, games of the weekend. What are you looking at? I'm not going to mention the team up in Washington because last time I did, they... Jesus. decided to not show up against Houston. So moving on, uh, I got the Warriors versus Clippers on Sunday. I still have yet to watch a complete NBA playoff game, so this would be a, a chance of that happening. Um, and, you know, this is going to piss off some of the people listening, but I am not a big Warrior guy, so <laughs> maybe if the Clippers can snag a W there, I'll be all right. And then also just the classic, you got Sharks at Vegas also on Sunday. So the bigger question is, are you going to be going to that game slash going to a watch party thing? I will get to that in weekend plans. Uh, I also, by the way, you mentioned the team up from Washington. I'm off the Mariners. I'm off of them. They lost again. <laughs> I just got the update. Lost one nothing to the Indians. They started 13-2. and Now they're riding a nice little six-game home losing streak. So they, they're 13-2, feeling good, going back to T-Mobile in Seattle. What do they do? They get swept by the Astros, swept by the Indians. Now back on the road they go. Love so, it. Uh, it was kind of fun. I was certainly guarded. We didn't even make it to May, and I'm done with them. They're they're done. They're <laughs> I was gonna done. say that that had to be. I think that's probably one of the quickest I've seen you jump off. By Bi- bipolar Mariner fan Nathan is gonna be really fun to track this summer because I'm sure there'll be a t- time when they start getting it going, and I'm like, uh, I don't know. Oh, they're they're gonna go on a stretch for sure where they win at like 11 of 15 or something like that, and reel everybody back in. Yeah. It, the we talked about how great the offense was. They got shut out. To, I, I think they scored like twelve runs in the six games in Seattle. Just, I'm not going down this road. Uh, at this point in the in the year, as I mentioned last week, kind of a really fun time of the year. It's kind of just NBA and NHL playoffs, and because pretty much everyone's still in it. Hockey's bounced a couple teams. Shout out Tampa Bay getting bounced. <laughs> Crazy. So I'll, I'll just say in general, the NBA and NHL playoffs, the Night Sharks series has been a ton of fun. And man, I'm not going to pretend to know a ton about hockey, but the Knights look like a freaking wagon. They, have you watched any of the games? Uh, no. 
saw a couple minutes of the game two or something like that, but I didn't watch much of game one, but I, I've watched games two, three, four from start to finish. We talked about Mark Andre Fleury in the net. He the Knights won the other night five nothing. The Sharks really outplayed the Knights in the first period and went to locker room with a two nothing deficit first intermission. Because of Mark Andre Fleury, dude's a freak. He just turns it on the playoffs, and this uh, Reeves Kane brouhaha rivalry right now is so freaking fun to watch. Uh, Vander Kane got tossed last night. They've gotten into a couple times. They got into a heavyweight brawl in game three. Game three. Um, I'm all in on the Knights at this point. Super fun to watch. They're a wagon. Seems like they're going to go on another run. I mentioned shout out to Tampa. They tied the NHL record for most regular season wins ever. Then they get swept by Columbus, who I guess has like never been out of the first round. Uh, <laughs> just v- screams 2001 Seattle Mariners. 116 how many t- wins. How many TVs in Tampa Bay do you think got smashed? <laughs> well, do you see what Tampa Bay tweeted? I said something along like, we're sorry, it's not the outcome we wanted, or it was really weird. It was super weird. It basically sounded like a breakup text, like they were yeah. breaking up, like, we understand, it's not you, it's me. I mean, basically, that was the phrasing. I'm trying to pull it it's, up real quick here. It sounds like the couple that just broke up, and one of them's at a bar at 2 in the morning and had a couple drinks and thinks that that's the right move. Here, here was the text. We don't have any words, and we know you don't want to hear them. We understand your anger, your frustration, your sadness, everything you're feeling. We get it. This isn't the ending we imagined and certainly not the one we wanted. Thank you for being there the entire way. That's from the Tampa Bay Lightning official Twitter account. And it sounds like something that some drunk idiot at the bar would text his girlfriend. That's such a bad look. (laughs) It's so funny. All right. uh, Weekend plans. What are you doing this weekend? Mine's going to be pretty light. Accounting life, I actually might have to go to work on Saturday for a couple hours, catch up on some stuff. Nerd. Maybe ski on Sunday. I'm also dog-sitting, so that's going to be a nice little highlight. Who's dog? Jax. Oh. So we have a nice boxer running around the house. And then – That's Albert's dog for everyone's listening, Albert Rossetti. Yep, that's Rossetti's dog. Um, And then uh, Sunday, I think probably doing some little Easter meal. Marcus's mom's coming up from L.A. Oh, there you go for Easter? Nice. Yeah, what about you? Nice. So you were up in Washington. We planned this terribly. You were up in Washington last weekend. I'm flying up home this weekend with Tara for Easter weekend. Uh, be there for Easter, yeah, but really going to go see Aaron, our youngest brother, see him pitch. Uh, I have not got to see him pitch hardly at all in college, so I'm uh, going to go up there, see him play Concordia, Portland. Down in Portland, played a few games there myself, uh, and when not watching St. Martin's baseball, certainly watching NBA and NHL playoffs. Always nice being home, uh, so certainly looking forward to that. That means I will not be at a night's watch party down here, but I will be watching from home. Social, we got a ton of questions from you guys this week. You know that we appreciate it. A big thanks to all of you who asked questions. It's so fun hearing from you guys. We'll start with questions that we got on Twitter uh, from Todd Lemieux. Jumping right into this. Who's coming back and who is staying in the transfer portal? That really is the biggest question right now surrounding the, surrounding the basketball program. We know that Jazz is for sure coming back. And then to recap, guys who are currently still in the transfer portal, Jordan Brown, Lindsey Drew, Jalen Harris, KJ Himes, Jalen Tanzel, Nizre Zuzwa, and JoJo. They're all, they're all in there. With 
not like I am super plugged in and have a lot of knowledge, just kind of based off the lay of the land and kind of a gut feeling. I'll say Jordan Brown comes back. If he wants to go to the NFL and he wants to go or NFL, NFL. I don't think he wants to go to the NFL. He probably wants to go more to the NBA. It might be better suited for his skill set. Uh, it doesn't make a ton of sense for him to transfer or sit out a year because he's obviously not eligible for a grad transfer yet. So I think it makes more sense for him to stay at Nevada for another year. I think he'll be back. I think Lindsey Drew will be back. Here's one that might or a couple that might surprise some people. Jalen Townsell and Nizre Zouzwa. I think they both could be back. I think Steve Alford isn't worried about filling up all the scholarship spots. Like, how am I going to fill all the, or how am I going to make room for all these guys? Because there's room on the roster right now. There are scholarships to be had. And Jalen Townsell, local kid, uh, a lot of potential, a lot of talent. Uh, Nizre Zouzwa, I think he would have transferred if Must stayed. I think the fact that Must is gone now. That he, he could see a bigger role for himself. I would think that maybe he'll be back. And then just gut feeling, I'll go Jalen Harris, KJ, and JoJo got them gone. Jalen Harris would really hurt. He, he's an all-conference caliber guy. He would put up some big numbers. He, he's just going to get a ton of interest. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go. Uh, fake Matt Mummy. What is worse? Northern Nevada drivers in a roundabout. Shout out to Somerset. Or Southern Nevada drivers stopping at a red light. I will say generally, and I don't know if it's just because there's more people in Southern Nevada, but I think Southern Nevada drivers are a little bit worse. It feels like every day I'm worried about someone just being on the cusp of just merging into me. Just not paying <laughs> attention. Just what are, what are we doing, guys? It, it feels like it happens almost every single day. So generally speaking, I'll go Southern Nevada drivers are worse. Pack hoops. Who throws the hardest fastball of all the shout bros? That's got to be Aaron. Did you ever get on a radar gun? Last time I got on a radar gun, I had to have been 12 or 13 years old. I mean, I was throwing I was throwing some heat, but from, four, I don't from think... 48 feet away. Exactly. Yeah, the answer here is definitely Aaron. I don't know. I almost texted him to see what the last time he, he got clocked at. Oh, he was getting he was getting clocked when I was up there last weekend. What was what was he sitting at? Like mid 80s, right? Yeah, I think he was hitting like 86. I think he's touched 87, but I think okay. it was like 86 was where he's mainly at, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay. I topped out. The most I ever, the hardest I ever threw on the gun was 86. So that that's where I topped out at. I'm sure he's surpassed that. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. from the left side, too, so he's got that advantage, too. Ironically, where I threw 86 at, was a game my senior year at St. Martin's, which is where Aaron goes to school now. So maybe, maybe it's something about that mound. I don't know. Uh, NV Wolf, why did I always think your last name was Soup? It's actually... Because <laughs> you can't see H's? I mean, I, I don't know what to do with that one. It, it was it was a nickname that... I don't know if you heard it as much, but I got that, that nickname a lot growing up. People call me chicken noodle soup and tomato soup and all that fun stuff. For them, that's because you were a squid. <laughs> Nobody, everybody knew not to call me soup. I, maybe because if people don't know us, it looks like our last name is Shoop, mm-hmm. and so then soup would be an easy transition. But Shoup, and maybe maybe you have H blindness. That 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 might be a factor as well. Uh, Lenny Cofton, considering the level of hatred between Andy Enfield and Steve Alford, and the fact that Nevada won't be as good next year. Do you think USC will honor their commitment to play the return game in Reno next season, or will they just buy out the game? 
I would need to see what the number is for the buyout because I truthfully have no clue. I suppose it wouldn't be shocking at all to see USC buy that game out. However, if Nevada returns at least you know a good chunk of the guys who are in place right now, and maybe Steve Alford can get a couple guys kind of at the buzzer here, Nevada is still going to be talented next year. I mean, all Nevada would have to be is top 75 in the net for that to be a quad one game for USC. And it's not like the Pac-12 is really in a position to just be going, nah, I don't want that quad one opportunity. Like, the Pac-12 needs those looks, and USC is certainly a school that was has been frustrating for a few years now. So it wouldn't be surprising. They could use a quad one opportunity out of conference, though. So th- that'll be interesting to see. Uh, Blake asks, with there being an open scrimmage this Saturday in the Silver and Blue game next Saturday, what players should Nevada fans keep an eye on? Who do you name as the starting quarterback going into fall camp? And who do you think ultimately starts at QB for Nevada next fall? So a few different things going on here. A couple names to watch here. Wide receiver, Ben Putman. Can he keep it going? Yeah, Ben. After the Arizona Bowl. So him. And I'm also really curious to see what Malik Henry does. Last chance you. We all know how talented he is. This will be a lot of people's first look at him. I'll be curious to see what he can do. Who would I name as the quarterback going into fall camp? I think at this point, it's got to be Christian Solano. He's a senior. He has reps. He has experience. I think he's the guy going into camp. Who would I name or who do I ultimately think is going to be the QB for Nevada next year? I think the expectation is that Christian Solano is going to be the quarterback for the opener against Purdue. And then who is the quarterback the rest of the year will, will really depend on what Solano is doing and how the team is doing. If Solano is playing fine, but Nevada's losing games, and it's clear they're not going to go to a bowl, I think then you probably put Carson Strong in, and you let the redshirt freshman get some reps and start getting some experience. However, if Solano's playing well, Nevada's playing well, they're in contention for a bowl, 7-5 to five might be realistic for him again, then you probably let him play it out. But I, I would, at least at this point, I'm expecting Christian Solano to be the guy, at least going into fall camp. I don't expect Jay Norvell to name a starter going into camp. It's pretty much an open competition. That said, there's been enough reporting, enough getting out that Christian Solano is, is kind of the guy at this point. Blake also asks, the Mountain West Conference has been very average this year for baseball, uh, especially considering San Jose State is in first place. Uh, why the drop overall in quality, and what are the biggest issues for Nevada? San Jose State sits in first place right now with an RPI of 120 in the Mountain West. That's not great. San Jose State may be starting to come back to the pack a little bit. We mentioned they lost two of three to UNLV last week. They've now lost four of five. Why is the Mountain West struggling? I think you look at the two teams that were picked to win this, or two teams that were picked to finish first and second, and look at how they're doing. San Diego State was picked to finish first. They've struggled this year. Nevada was picked to finish second. They haven't done as well this year. And then San Jose State has kind of been the team that's taken advantage a little bit of it. But if you have San Jose State leading the conference in anything, uh, things aren't necessarily going great <laughs> for the conference. And, and why Nevada has struggled this year, the biggest issues for Nevada, I think you have to look at the offense for a large chunk of the season. Just wasn't scoring a ton of runs. And you got some new names in there. Hopefully now you're starting to get some guys who are maybe more comfortable in roles, some guys who are stepping up. So hopefully the offense can get it going. But I think that's really where you look uh, when you say why Nevada hasn't been, you know, maybe as successful to this point as, as the expectation was. Jared asks, best golf course in the world? 
You got thoughts here? Best golf course in the world. Uh, so are we doing doing the Masters course? I mean, we just spent the whole weekend Augusta. looking at that. Dude, how freaking how freaking fun was that? That was uh, just that was oh. that was the way you'd want. That's exactly how we how everybody was wanted to be. Not only Tiger win it all, but just Tiger in the hunt on Sunday, kind of the comeback. I can't remember if it was was it two strokes he was down at the start of the day. I believe it was two, two something like that. But just the excitement of it. Oh my! I mean, I part of me is so happy Tiger won, but part of me just feels so bad for Molinari. Like I could only oh. imagine what was going on in his head as he just double bogeyed what. It, <laughs> Whatever it was in the back nine. Yeah, I, found, I think he found the water twice on, on the back nine. <laughs> it was painful. Painful to watch. It was like watching old Tiger. Like you watch the guys around him just crumble. Yeah. As he kind of surged ahead. It, it felt like watching Tiger back in the day. I was up off the couch. I was yelling at the TV. Like I, I was full on into it. It was so freaking fun. So Augusta, I think, is the easy answer here. Best golf course in the world. It depends on your perception. The golf course I have had the most fun at, truthfully, it's probably Washoe Golf Course. <laughs> it's the course I played the most in Reno. It was the most affordable. It's wide open. It's still kind of a tricky course, I feel like, to put up a put up a number. Um, I never golfed particularly well there, but I had a ton of fun. So I'll go way, way outlier, way, way super insider pick here. I'll, I'll go Washoe, kind of sarcastically. On Instagram, Bradley asks... Do you see Coach Alford using Nevada as a stepping stone to get back to a Power 5 team, or can you see him sticking around five-plus years? A couple things to consider here. Steve Alford is 54. He turns 55 in November. He said he wants Nevada to be his last gig, and the buyout is above $4 million until year number four. If the over-under is five, I will go over, and I could certainly see him staying here for the length of the contract. That said, I would not be surprised at all if he leaves in year six. Uh, something else to keep in mind, as I mentioned, the age, he's 54. If he leaves in year six, he'll be 60 at that point. He's someone who's talked a lot now about his passion for golf and things he does away from basketball. So does, at that point in his career, is he really looking for the next big thing? He's got a contract now where he'll be making enough money to certainly live comfortably. What does he really want? What What are his values at that point i will certainly go the over i don't think that he's coming to nevada and saying i'm coming here and i'm, I'm leaving as soon as i can I, I think he legitimately has intentions of sticking around that said he did sign a 10-year contract at new mexico and left nine days later <laughs> marcus asks with summer quickly approaching what are your power rankings for events in reno tahoe i'm, t- I'm, I'm gonna guess that we're talking summer events y- you got some thoughts here well number one I'm going to say – I'm going to give the boring answer and just say the collective summer up at Tahoe. I'm going to lump that all in one. Okay. Um, another one, I'm going to say the 4th of July events, whether you do it up and celebrate it up at Tahoe or even down here where they do the, the greater Nevada stuff. And then the my little one that I like to go to from time to time is the, the Wing Fest. Hmm. That is also another one. I love wings. I love things that are – you know, the hot barbecue, all the different flavors, all the wacky stuff. So, Yeah, they had a Wingfest a few years ago. I had a peanut butter and jelly mm-hmm. wing, and it was freaking amazing. It's crazy. I saw a peanut butter and jelly burger like a month ago or something at some restaurant. I mean, they're getting, <laughs> they're getting weird with it, but all right, I, I put six down. Embrace debate here. All right. Number one, 
night in the country? Depends on what year. Have you had a year rest or are you coming straight off that year? Because if, if you went the year prior, I want nothing to do with it. But if I'm on a year rest, then yeah, it's probably number one. I've had so much fun at night in the country. I think now if I went, like if I was going to go now, I need a camper. I'm kind of oh. done with sleeping in the half collapsed tent. You got dirt everywhere. It's a million the degrees. Ha- the half blown up air mattress by the end. <laughs> you you wake up at seven thirty in the morning. Actually, before that, it's already melting in the tent. Your neighbors are blasting Little John. They're taking shots. Just like I don't know if I'm ready for that, but I've had a ton of fun night in the country. Uh, second one, I'm with you. Fourth of July, Fourth of July weekend at Tahoe. Uh, maybe not as much Zephyr, just because that's just a madhouse and that's certainly a college scene. Uh, but just being out the lake in general on 4th of July, it's it's the best. So I'll go 4th of July at Tahoe. Number three, a little of an upset here, the Celebrity Golf Tournament. Mm, I'll let it slide. It's one oh, of, uh, I feel like a lot of locals don't go to it. I feel like it's a lot of, kind of like a vacation scene. There are locals that go. I think it's underrated, though. You get to be that close to people. They're They're engaging. Most of them are. It's gorgeous. You're walking on Edgewood. You're right on the lake. It's so much fun. So I'll, have to see what your, I'll, have to, I'll have to see what your next ones are to see if I can slam that or not. All right, we're going to round it out. This is not a singular event. It happens a few different times, but I'm going with the Beer Walk. Every fourth Saturday, super underrated event in Reno. I have yet to participate, so I'm fine Dude. with celebrity, celebrity golf staying above that. Beer Walk, I think you pay $5 and you get a little six-ounce cup. And then every there's a, like all the bars are on there. You pay $1 and you get any beer that's on tap. It's okay, that's the day. Not... It's like two to six. It's so fun. Okay, that would take. Yeah, that sounds better. My, from my understanding, it did not sound like that. So maybe I'll participate. And then I, I'm going to round it out with Jack Tent <laughs> during the rodeo. <laughs> oh my god! I'll go Jack I... Tent at number five. How was that? Now you're number one. <laughs> I can only do. There's people who do Jack Tent like six nights during the rodeo, and I'm like, you guys are absolutely insane. That's whoever too it, much. the liver there the livers on that body whoever is doing that is well you got the liver you got the lines and ultimately if you realize they're playing the same soundtrack every single night and i think it's even the, in the same order it's like how often do i need to see the same people listen to the same music drinking the same drinks well i mean night? if we're, if we're going to be honest once you got a couple shots of jack in the the music is just all i mean it, they could be playing christian rock or something in there and i would have no idea <laughs> and then i'm going to round it out with reno has some great brunch spots so i'll say just brunch in reno Specifically, shout out to Stonehouse and Walden's. Walden's is a sleeper. Walden's has like the, my favorite breakfast burrito ever. So Stonehouse and Walden's. Last question is from Chase. Who is the most important player for Coach Alford to re-recruit? Who do you think? You know, well, he's already, are we going to throw Jazz in the mix? Because, I mean, he's already there. He's already back. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say Lindsey Drew. Because he's been around for a while. You know, if you got like a – he's obviously a team leader and stuff. If you have a guy that's been as, you know, big of a part of the team as him and he bounces out, that kind of shows the message for the guys who haven't been around as long to be like, yeah, see ya. From a talent perspective, it's Jalen Harris or Jordan Brown. I'm with you though. I think you can make a really strong case that Lindsey Drew is the most important player for Steve Alford to re-recruit. For the reasons that you talked about. From a potential leadership standpoint. Lindsey Drew is a different player than DJ Fenner. He's a different personality than DJ Fenner. 
but he could play the DJ Fenner role here. DJ Fenner was so important as Musk came to Reno and tried to lay the groundwork and establish his culture. Lindsey Drew could do that now because you figure there's going to be a bunch of new names eventually. We'll see how many new ones uh, Alfred is able to get here. But Lindsey Drew could really be a bridge between the past team and now the current team transitioning to, to the future. Lindsey is much more of a quieter guy th- than DJ. I just feel like his presence could be invaluable as the program really goes through a lot of transitions. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to go Lindsey Drew, actually. And then we'll get out of here, as always, with Random Reno. Uh, I'll let you go. Per AreaVibes.com, the cost of living in Reno now is 10% higher than the national average. 10% higher than the national average in Reno? Mm-hmm. I thought uh, it might or, actually be more than that. Yeah, with the way the, the market's been booming and everything. But I was I, I thought that was pretty interesting just because when I first got I mean, when I moved here six years ago, I do not think that was the case, especially with housing <laughs> no. with housing being the biggest factor. Right. So it's crazy how different the vibe is. I mean, I moved down there in set late August twenty thirteen and it really felt just basically one eighty from how it feels now. Like Reno, it feels like it has a pulse now and has a sense of pride. When I when I got there in September 2013, at the old Sparks Tribune office in downtown Sparks, woof! Shout out! It it it, it was rough. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, I love Lake Tahoe facts. Lake Tahoe has how many gallons of water? I can't remember how many billions it is. Something trillion, isn't it? Thirty nine trillion gallons of water. 39 trillion gallons of water. There is no water problem. That is enough water to give each person in the U.S., so not a small number, to give each person in the U.S. 50 gallons of water a day for five years. That's disgusting. (laughs) That is a crazy stat. That's just obscene. Lake Tahoe is awesome. I freaking love Lake Tahoe. And I freaking love you guys. That is our show this week. Thank you to every single one of you who listen and support the show week in and week out. Thank you to Aaron Torres for coming on the podcast. Thank you to John Ramey, Nevada play-by-play man. Thank you to Jared, going to butcher the last name again, Grau Vogel for the iTunes five-star review of the week. Make sure you get in touch with us, Jared, and we'll hook you up with a round for two to Toyabi Golf Club. Thank you to our sponsors at Toyabi Golf Club, as well as Tipsy Elves, Silver and Blue Outfitters, Movement Nutrition. If you are not already, please consider throwing us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's just at the Reno Slant. We'll be back next week. Another loaded show ahead of the Nevada football spring game. I'm not going to give away the name, but I'll tell you, we have a really, really fun guest next week. Have a great, great weekend, you guys. Go Pack. Thanks for listening to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans. Until next time, and we're still not talking about the Loyalist Chicago tournament game.